You're listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I want to talk in today's episode about continuing on in life's darkest valleys. Oftentimes, God will give us a vision for where he's taking us. Maybe it's a promise he's given us for what he's going to do in our lives, what that's going to look like, an assignment of some kind. And we can go in that direction with such energy and enthusiasm because it does take multiple steps to get to where God wants us to be. We can start on that journey with such enthusiasm. And then as time goes on, we can get tired and overwhelmed and the journey can be much more difficult than we ever imagined. And we can just want to quit and stop doing what it is that God has asked us. Or we can just sort of get stuck where we stop trying. We, we don't take the next step or the next step. We just stay where we are because of the problems that have come into our life, because of those that are opposing us, because we just get worn out. And so that's what I want to talk to you today. And in a moment, I'll be pulling from a verse in scripture that's going to provide some encouragement and help us in those places when our resolve has just faded. We have none left. We don't even know if we care anymore. We're just super numb. And moving forward seems like it's not even possible. Before I get to that verse, I just want to share a story that kind of came to mind as I was putting this together. And that is when I was a college student working at a coffee shop, I had to be at work really, really early in the morning. So I had to roll out of bed at four in the morning because I had to be at work at 5.30 a.m. to to open this store by six. My shift times would vary, but if I was opening, I would have to be there to open the store at, you know, we'd have to be there at 530 to open the store by six. And I am in no way, no stretch of the imagination, a morning person. So I would force myself to get up and I would go to work and we'd have the whole early morning rush of coffee drinkers that would come and I would serve all their needs. And then as my shift would go on, my eyelids would start to get really heavy I would just kind of slow down in my work. It would be kind of a struggle to keep to keep up and to keep doing everything I needed to do. And I really did love that job. But that was a hard shift because once the, the early morning coffee rush was over about 10.30 in the morning, I had between 10.30 and 1 or 2, whenever it was my shift ended, to, to still, I still had to you know, smile at customers. I still had to sweep the floor and wipe tables and do all the things that I needed to do, but I didn't feel like being there. I was thinking in my mind about how I wanted to go home and take a nap because when I would get off my shift, if I got up at four in the morning, I would take a nap in the afternoon for one or two hours just to kind of get my energy back because I was a college student and I would have to study or go to class and I would be up till 11 or 12 at night. So it, it wasn't like I was getting to bed early and balancing out that time that I was waking up. I was working all kinds of crazy hours and even closing the store on weekends. So so my, you know, sleep time was was I could just grab sleep wherever I could find it. But my manager kind of observed me 
during my shift one day and he just said to me that I was great out of the gate. But his, what he was really implying with his words was that, you know, I was great starting my shift. I, I was 100% there, 100% customer service. But then as time, were, you know, went on in my shift, he kind of observed me not being quite as enthusiastic, maybe not as friendly with customers, maybe not working as hard as when I had started. And spiritually, I tend to operate in the same way. I'm really good out of the gate. I start assignments God gives me with enthusiasm, with energy. I have lots of good ideas. I want to talk about this exciting thing God's having me do with everyone. But then as time goes on, and maybe you can relate, I just get worn out. And it's just, you know, get discouraged. And I'm not as excited as when I initially started. And so when we're in those places... The temptation is to just kind of shut down, to stop doing what God has asked of us, to just get stuck and not really take the next step, to not really continue, to not move forward. I was, you know, reading a story that's very familiar to me and most likely very familiar to you as well and you listening that I found some encouragement and strength from this story and I want to share it with you. It's one that, again... Most of us have probably heard a dozen times, most likely an Easter message, but I want to look at it and look at Jesus dying on the cross and some of his last actions before he died. And I believe that they will be helpful to us in those places where we need to keep going, but the road has been very hard and long. In Matthew 27, 46 and 50, Jesus had been hanging on the cross for several hours. During that time, he endured physical pain thirst and the sneers of onlookers below him. It was hot on that cross. He was uncomfortable. He had been beaten before he was put on that cross. So not only did he have the pain of the nails through his hands and feet, but he also had a, a, his back was raw and bloody. He had thorns on his head. He was not comfortable up on that cross. And before that he had endured an unfair trial. He was misunderstood by most of the people around him. He was in physical and mental agony on this cross. He says very little when he's on the cross, but when he does speak, I want to look at his words and then his actions. But it tells us this, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. The first observation that I want to make is that Jesus held on to God, though it appeared God was letting go of him. We see in Jesus's words, my God, my God, the words of a man who obviously still trusted in God enough to hold on to him, even when he felt abandoned to a terrible fate. Jesus wasn't merely left behind or forgotten at the cross. God deliberately led him there. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he would have to do and why he had to do it. Yet, even though he understood the reasons for why he had to go to the cross, the reasons he had to go there, which was to save mankind, to take on the sin of the world and be a sacrifice, the human side of him struggled with the agony of the moment. Even in the struggle, though, he did not let go of God. Notice he says, my God, my God. I love what one commentary I read suggested about his words. The words Lama can be translated to mean to what, to whom, to what kind or sort, 
to what purpose or profit. So rather than just, you know, Jesus asking the reason why he was there, because he knew his words aren't so much why or what are the reasons I'm here as much as to what have you abandoned me to. In other words, my own translation will be would be something like, have you seriously left me to this? There is just a sense of the human side of Jesus struggling with the agony of the awfulness of his circumstances, even as he fully trusts in God. John Piper offers a lot of suggestions about what could have been meant by Jesus's words. And honestly, if you're interested, if you're somebody who finds Bible, you know, stories and Bible history and everything very interesting, you can look at what different scholars say about Jesus's words. And it's really interesting because there's so many different viewpoints. One of the questions John Piper says, raises about this, he says, is it the why of amazement as he confronts a dreadfulness he could have never have anticipated. So he's basically saying, did Jesus say what he did because of his amazement of the dread at the dreadfulness of what he's going through? And I kind of have to go with John Piper here that I think that's what this is. These words indicate not, not a questioning for the reasons um, of, of why do I have to do this God? Because Jesus knew the reasons, but more just a, a, an expression of the shock He felt that even though he knew what he would go through, just a sense of that humanness, a human reaction to the shock of how awful, his shock at how awful it truly was to go through that situation. Those of us walking through fierce flames at the moment, you're probably listening to this and you probably can very much identify with what he's saying because you may have asked this very question of God, God, to what have you brought me to? Why, you know... And we may want to know the reasons because God may not have told us, but I think there's also just a shock value that, Lord, I trusted you and I'm here in this place, really, that there's just that shock of, I can't believe um, at what I'm experiencing. And Jesus shows us that even when we're in those places where we do have a reaction to the places we're in, where it's difficult and we feel maybe even betrayed that God would leave us to fend for ourselves against great odds, or we feel that way, but we're not truly alone because he's with us. It feels impossible in those moments to hold on tenaciously when we're in those terrible circumstances. And yet Jesus shows what it means to hold on to God, even when our flesh demands answers of God and rebels against the places he brings us to when we walk in obedience to him. The second point I want to bring out is that Jesus didn't save himself, although he could have. The second takeaway we have here is that Jesus exhibited incredible self-control in the middle of this agonizing experience. Can you imagine being God and creating the entire world and all the people in it and not saying a word when they put you on trial for crimes you didn't even commit? How about when they crucified you on a cross? When he was hanging on the cross, people walked by and shouted at him to save himself and prove he was God. And I believe in all of us is that humanity that says, I have to prove I'm right, that rises up, especially when we're unfairly treated and wronged. And yet Jesus did not defend himself and he did not get off of that cross because if he had, as Chuck Smith says, it was only by not saving himself that he was able to save you. And I think that can be encouraging to us in those places that God has led us where there's a possible out that we could take. The out we could take would be to just stop serving God where we are. 
we could compromise. We could act like the world. We could agree with the world. We could find acceptance if we would just stop what we're doing in the assignment God has given us. And that's where the hardship has come in. Or we could take the example of Jesus and remain in the fire knowing that God's will has taken us there, that Jesus knew and had confidence when he was hanging on the cross, that God, even though he felt deserted, he knew God had a plan. He knew that he had to do what he had to do to take on the sin of the world. And so he remained in that plan, even though he could have climbed off the cross if he wanted to. Now, Jesus is obviously the only one who could take the sins of the world. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank goodness we don't have to do that because he's done that. But as Christ followers, we also have a cross we pick up in following him. We experience a crucifixion of self daily. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, when we follow Christ, we allow him to dictate our choices. We no longer live to, to serve ourselves. Jesus shows us here that hanging on tenaciously means choosing not to get out of suffering or hardship and choosing to continue to do God's will. The third point I want to bring out is though he wrestled in his agony, he continued to do God's work. When I was preparing this message, there were really two things that popped out at me from this particular passage. And one was what I've kind of dissected for you, the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the last part of the of the passage, if we skip down to verse 50, it says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Luke 20, 23, 56 says not that he gave up his spirit, but it actually has Jesus saying, father into your hands, I commit my spirit. But in this Matthew passage, it says he gave up his spirit. Those words really popped out at me because this last action of Jesus on the cross was significant because it shows us once again, how Jesus never lost trust in his father. Not only did he cling on to God with his words in my God, my God, refusing to stop believing and trusting that God knew what was best and he needed to complete the plan. He never stopped doing the father's work because of the hardship he faced. And his last action was into your hands. I commit my spirit, committing his spirit to God and Really, he continued on until he breathed his last breath. And that really stood out to me as I was reading because too often, as we've been talking about throughout this podcast, we can lose our resolve in the process of following God. But God wants us to complete what he has given us to do. I remember writing a few years ago a series on trials. And the main point in one of my posts was simply that we should continue on no matter what happens to us. And I remember thinking when writing it that I would always push through in the work God had given me. I would never give up. And yet I could never have imagined the types of trials that would come my way or how weak I would feel in the midst of those tribulations. I recognize myself and Peter who claimed he would never deny the Lord and did it the very same night. And the question comes to me all the time when I'm tired and worn out Will you continue to follow Jesus? Will you continue the work I, you know, Jesus has asked you to complete? You know, I feel like he's, he's waiting on me to continually act because everything in me sometimes screams as much as I love God, as much as I believe in the calling he's given me, as much as I 
want to obey him, that also my flesh screams that this is too hard and this isn't worth it. And this isn't, you know, this, you should just go an easier path. We most likely all believe we would stick through to the end, but we could never many times anticipate how difficult the, the circumstances would be, how tiring the chronic health problems, how humiliating the lack of success, how impossible the obstacles. And yet even in those, we can hold fast to Jesus. I've been reading a book, Unexpected, these last few weeks, and it's so, so good by Christine Kane. I recommend it to anyone who is going through an unexpected or a hard, hard trial. But I want to just read to you, I read the last two chapters or this week, or last chapter in epilogue, I should say. And I want to just read a few of her words because she kind of addresses it. And I thought it was just so cool because I've been working on this, this message and I started it before I read the last chapter of her book. And it just went so in line with what I was planning to talk about in this message. And I just love how God is just so good in lining up all the things he, you know, he surrounds me with kind of the messages that he wants me to be sharing with you. But I wanted to share what it says in this last chapter. Christine Kane says this, giving up too soon is always an option, but it's never the answer. If God has placed something in your heart, if he's given you a promise, if you know something is his will, it takes courage to keep believing and moving forward, especially when your present looks nothing like your promise. Especially when the journey is nothing like you expected, that's when you have to hold on to other promises from his word to keep yourself holding on in faith. Promises such as he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1, 6. If we stay the course, if we press in and press on and not let fear cause us to give up too soon, then God will complete the work he began in us, accomplishing through us everything he desires, that dream, that plan, that idea. And then she continues on talking about her own calling, which has included rescuing those in sex trafficking. She has an organization called A21 and they rescue people from human trafficking. It's been very hard and and a very scary road, but that is, you know, she just shares how many trials and she's gotten even cancer along the way and, and all sorts of other unexpected things with deaths in her family and things that have really discouraged her, but she's kept on And so she kind of says the same thing in that we need to complete whatever it is that God has given us to do. I want to conclude with one last tidbit. I've been unpacking this passage for you and talking about Jesus's last words and then giving his spirit up. But I want to also point out that when Jesus says, my God, my God, he says it, it tells us in the passage, he says it loudly. And that before he gave up his spirit, it says he gave a loud cry. And in the Luke account, when it says the words that it says, which is father into your hands, I commit my spirit. He says, it says again, that word loudly. I had to pause for a minute and think, you know, why, why did God say that loudly? Why did Jesus on the cross? Why was, why did he say those words loudly? He could have muttered these words under his breath. He could have kept these thoughts to himself. But I believe he said what he did loudly because he wanted others to note his inner thoughts and take courage in our own difficult valleys. Even in his worst moments, Jesus thought of us. He knew that he would be an example to us even then right before his death when he was in as much agony as he was in. 
He said what he did loudly to leave us an example so that we would know what to do when our own journeys took unexpected twists and turns. I don't know where you are as you're reading this, but my guess is that you are facing something dark and something hard. And perhaps you are letting the darkness of your circumstances overwhelm you. And perhaps you've even thought about just loosening your once very tight grip on Jesus and saying, you know what? I'm out. This is too tough. I'm going to take a break from this for a while, or I just need a breather here. Lord, I'm going to take a different direction, or I'm just going to stop. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to take another step further. It is way too hard. I think what we see here with Jesus's example is that we can continue on, that Jesus provides the example to strengthen us and inspire us. But we have something more than just an example. We have Jesus's very presence with us. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I'm just so weak and I'm so tired, then we can call out to him. We can say, Jesus, I don't even know how to make it through this day or this minute or this hour. Can you please help me? We don't have to turn away from him. We can accept that though the trial is fierce and we don't understand, God is good and our trial will only last for a little while before God restores us once again. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are a good God. And you knew the troubles we would face on this earth. And that is why you left behind in your word the stories that you did to help us in our own walks of faith. And Lord, I thank you that you thought of us. That not only were you concerned about dying on the, you know, sending your son to die on the cross to save us from our sins. But even in Jesus's final moments on the cross, you thought of us. In that you provided an example for us in our own difficult places. Lord, for those who are listening, who are just weary, who are worn out, who are just done, I pray that you would infuse them with strength. I pray that they would be inspired by these last words of Jesus on the cross, that they would just find fresh encouragement to continue on, and that the opposition that's coming against them, the trials they are facing, Lord, that they would just melt away that you would help them to just power through them, that it would be almost like they just, it's like water off a duck's back, that it just doesn't even leave an imprint. And they're able to continue on in the work you have given them to do. Thank you so much, Lord. You love us enough to leave us this encouragement in your word that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Even when it feels like you're not with us, you are. And thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to be ever present with us and help us in every step of our journey. In Jesus' name, amen.